Welcome to We Are The Protectors. I'm Andy Johnson. And in this series of podcasts, I chat with some of the BT security team to learn more about their role and more about the role that BT plays in keeping the nation safe. In this episode, I'm joined by Lynn Studd, BT's Director of Global Secure Solutions. A lot of Lynn's work is with government departments. So we discuss what it's like to be a leader in a fast moving digital landscape, the challenges, the opportunities, and her advice to those wanting to work in the security sector. So Lynn, you're in charge of a team with more than 700 people over 16 locations. That tells me about the scale of BT Global Secure Solutions, but give us an insight into your working day and how you can deal with such a large team. Yeah, so um, my team is is across the globe as well, and it's also an end-to-end business. So I've got my own CTO team, proposition sales, commercial engineering, uh, delivery and service, just to name a few. So I I can't directly manage uh, a big team like that. And uh, it, it has to be an indirect relationship. And fortunately, I've got a brilliant ma- management team um, and, and you put a lot of pressure on them, I guess, to, to do a lot of the day to day managing. Um, but it, it's all about being agile and fast paced. And in order to do that, the team have to be empowered. You have to trust your team to be able to do that and really make those decisions so that we can we can be fast in this moving market. But it is a balance of being involved when I'm required and stepping back when you're needed. It sounds like delegation is a key element of what you do. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and how would you describe your management style when it comes to dealing with a huge team, as I say, knowing when to step back and when to intervene? I, to, to be honest, I'm very hands off and I'm really, um, uh, you know, I'm really upfront about that when, when I recruited my, my management team that lead, that lead this for me. But I'm there when they need me and they know that so they can always reach out to me on the phone or um, by, by any communication and I'll be there and I'm supportive, for, especially when we've got a big, big bid going out the door. However, I can help because some of the pressure that's on. But yeah, it, and, and some people like that. Uh, most of my team like that hands-off approach uh, and some just need the advice when they when they need it. And I think it works really well. But I, I really pride myself on putting my people at the forefront of what we do. And I think that really works. You're working with nation states and governments around the world, which brings in itself some incredible challenges. So as you've just said there, your team's expertise, credibility and reputation must be extremely important. Yeah, I mean, working with our customer set that we've got, trust and reputation is definitely the most important thing to them. And really, they, they treat us as partners and we, 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 we kind of talk to them as if they're our partners as opposed to that kind of customer supplier relationship. And that's a great testament to my team and the intimacy that we do have with our customers. But things do go wrong. And and. And when they do go wrong, you know, we're very upfront about any problems that we think that we may foresee or any problems that we have. But because we've got such a great relationship and we make sure that we resolve anything quickly, um, sometimes the customers will even come up with some of the solutions or what we should do. But But that is without the doubt the most important thing. They have to trust and believe that we will do what we say we do, we will do and that we can deliver on our promises. I mean, the world you work in is an extremely fast-moving landscape, and I guess the coordination of the resources at your disposal is quite a, a task in itself. Yeah, especially because they're across so many disciplines. So I haven't just got a delivery function. I've got all of the multi-disciplines. And, and I've got a, an engineering unit, which is 
providing professional services to our customer base. So it's about three to 400 people. And we are providing people uh, either on a time materials basis or a fixed contract basis into our customers to do deliveries. And that can be, you know, that's a complete industry in itself of moving different people to different projects, not only in the right location with the right security sponsorship, but also making sure you've got the right skills, but balancing that with the wants and desires of our team about what they want to get involved with and how they want to develop. So yeah, we do have um, a whole industry of people um, allocating the right resources and making sure that we can deliver um, to our customers. I'm sure people would be very interested to know, I bet there isn't such a thing, but how would you describe a typical working day for yourself? Um, yeah, there's not really a typical day. And in fact, I, I, I'm quite good with the old lists. I have lots of lists of things to do. And I often get to the end of the day and think, actually, I didn't do anything on my list. I mean, uh, I mean to, primarily, I'm, I, I'm there for any escalation. So if we, a delivery is going wrong or we've had a service failure or anything like that. And we don't have many, but when we do, we must react quickly uh, and get our customers back online. So anything like that. Also, investments um, when we're doing new bids of work prioritizing what we should do and what we can do because at the end of the day this is a limited resource um, across the whole industry not just for us so we have to kind of pick and choose and prioritize what we want to do but I spend an awful lot of time with customers and I want to hear from customers what they want and they want that thought leadership from BT and from BT security which is so important at the moment and so it's understanding what their challenges are and what they need from us and how we can meet those challenges so yeah and 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 with my team as well lots of time just listening to people understanding you've just said it again then it's obvious that the team is, is is so important to you and obviously you've got so many people that are working over so many locations so I wonder how you go about looking for people to join your team and what skills and attributes you're looking for Yeah. So from an entry level, especially graduates, um, we're really looking for a computer science degree. Um, And um, we do get lots of applicants and we're taking on uh, 55 graduates this this summer, um, which is great. Uh, And occasionally we take mathematics and forensics um, just for for some areas, but predominantly it's, it's computer science. And then obviously for experienced hires, it's more around test and infrastructure Uh, network, software engineering, and systems engineering. You're listening to BT's We Are The Protectors podcast. Get in the know about cybersecurity in this series of interviews with some of BT's senior security team. Interested in discussing your own um, career, if we can, because you've worked in different BT departments. Tell us a bit about that and what eventually led you to move into the security side of things. Yeah, I mean, I've been in BT quite a long time, and I was actually an accountant for about 15 years um, and then uh, move, moved into more the sales operations side uh, and then on to contract and commercial management. But I was asked um, to do about 18 months in uh, what was a unit called transformation, which was from a consultancy point of view, looking at both not just the transformation of things like our cost base, which we very much needed to look at, but things like our processes, how we could be much more efficient. And I was actually asked to look at security um, about six years ago and I went in and and, and what was really interesting for me because you know it, it was about two two and a half thousand people then and it's about 
about three three thousand people today. I was asked to look across the whole of security, so it gave me a really good insight into each area to look at where I thought they could either cut costs, be more efficient. Uh, and look at their processes. And on the back of that, because I worked so closely with them, I was asked to um, take this role. And um, yeah, I jumped at the chance and I've never looked back. And and, and it's been a really, really good decision. Uh, and I absolutely love it. Now, you were the first female executive in cybersecurity in BT. And I know that greater gender equality in this sector is very important to you, isn't it? Yes, it is very important. I think... Um, you know, there's a there's a lack of resources in the cyber world completely. You know, whether it's whether it's females or males, you know, we need to attract more people into the industry because of at the moment the demand completely outstrips the supply. But there's very few females. I mean, even when we look at graduates um, uh, and we get graduate applications, we get hardly any graduate applications from females. So, you know, you're... You Why know, do you think that is? Well, I think it's because they don't do computer science or, or, or some of the other kind of STEM subjects. And, th- and that's why, really, in order to tr- attract certainly females into the industry, you've got to go in at a really young age to make sure that they're doing the right GCSEs, A-levels, and, and then that can take them on to, to do a career. But, but also I think some of it's about, you know, I, I haven't got a technical background, but I lead a very technical unit. And to be a leader in, in cyber or in security, you know, you don't have to always have that real technical background. And so I, I work with um, uh, an industry of, of some of our partners, so Lloyds Bank, BP, Deloitte, AstraZeneca, and together we're trying to attract more females into the industry. So we do certain events. So we've got this Mind the Gap event where we just invite anyone can come, male or female, uh, but people come and we offer them career advice, we offer them mentoring opportunities, and we speak about our experience as, uh, as women in security. So, so we're really trying to do more events. I, I did a recent event called uh, Not Just for the Boys, which was all about attracting graduates that are just about to start their university careers to, to give them some insight. Um, but it's but it's difficult. It, it's difficult, and I don't think it will change for a long time um, unless we can get into the kind of school age children and and get them interested at a young age. What do you think stopping them? Is it this feeling or thinking that it's a male? It's already a very male dominated industry that you've got to have, as you say, maybe this misconception. You've got to have this technological background, or maybe just that men tend to shout louder than women, uh, and therefore that may put some women off. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, really. I mean, I think some of it is, and it was some some of the females that I've spoken to, the, the younger, um, you know, at some of the events, either schools, when we do the attraction for apprentices and, and, and certainly graduates, I think there's a belief they can't do it. Um, maybe they think it's too technical or it's a career for males, which is why we're trying to really get out there to explain, actually, you know, for us that, that are on this industry-wide forum, none of us came with a technical background. Some of us have subsequently learned and gone into that, but actually trying to get out just to say, actually, this could be a really good career as a female. And certainly, there's lots of jobs at the moment. And going into the future, I can't see that changing for the next five to 10 years at all. And as you say, and you're proof of this, it's other skills that you've brought to the job, as well as your your, your proficiency in, in what you do, uh, that can help, can't it? And this this gender diversity is only going to help an organisation like BT grow as we move into the future. 
Yeah, because any any team, it's proven that a mixed team based on age, gender, experience are the best teams. And and, and that's all I think we should have is, is different ideas, different views to, to get the best outcome for, for our customers and for the industry. You're listening to BT's We Are The Protectors podcast. Get in the know about cybersecurity in this series of interviews with some of BT's senior security team. And also, it's interesting talking to you because obviously you have many skills to get to where you've got to. But from what you've said already, you're able to delegate responsibility. You're able to listen to people, but you're also able to go in and deal with the situation when it needs dealing with, dealing with pressure, all of which are skills that you have. And I'm sure many, many other women have as well as men. And maybe, as you say, if they realise those sort of skills are massively important as well, it's not about necessarily having a really technical background that might attract more of them in yeah no definitely um uh, hopefully that the, the more we can get out there and talk about it and and attract people in i i think is is good for everybody now of course we're all living through the coronavirus pandemic at the moment it's dramatically altered the way we go about our daily lives and, and online activity has gone through absolutely through through the roof i wonder how your team has had to to react to all of this so um yeah i've got Initially, my team were very much, I probably only got 5% that had ever worked from home. Um, so, so we were very much focused on having to work in our offices due to the, the equipment and, and the location and the environment that we work in. And the same for our customers. A lot of our government customers had certainly never, never had that kind of freedom to work from home. So it was a big challenge initially. And, um, you know, it, for, for a couple of weeks, we were definitely finding our feet like I'm sure most people were. And probably about half of my team are actually key workers looking after critical national infrastructure so I've got some of the teams still going in maybe not a week sometimes just a day or, or whenever they need to and trying to do as much as they can from home and, and obviously I have got the other half working from home so challenges on both sides you know those working from home sometimes feel very isolated from from the rest of the team and it, and that's been a real challenge for them and, and it's interesting because it's mental health awareness week and we've been doing some drop-in sessions with all of my team this week just to talk about the challenges for people especially people that are living alone and and, and that's been a real eye-opener to understand some of that but also on the flip side those people that are going into the office they have different fears and different worries about being scared or having anxiety about going into the office but on the whole it's working really well we're making sure we're doing all the right social distancing with our in our offices uh, but we've also had to really help the customers because the customers um, were way behind um, us and, and, you know, didn't sometimes even have the equipment to work from home. So just things like laptops and that, they don't work in that kind of environment. They're very much in the office every day. So just getting them online, helping them um, to be very secure online and understanding what they need to do. So we've spent a lot of our time doing that. And actually in, in the eight or nine weeks we've we've done some amazing things I if you'd have asked me could you do this I'd have probably said no (laughs) we can't do it in that space of time but actually when you have to um you know you can you can do these things and it's testament to the team really and our customers and professionally as well and we've heard the National Cyber Security Centre talking about the amount of phishing attempts there have been by uh, cyber criminals and, and even targeting universities and other institutions that are working on research into the pandemic. These are a real life everyday 
risks, aren't they, and things that, that you're dealing with. I know that our Foreign Secretary, Dominic Raab, said that they're potentially life-threatening some of these challenges. So have you been, have to be even more uh, aware of what risks are out there because of the pandemic, or has the level of threat remained about the same? I think it's increased, you know, obviously with so many more people using obviously the digital technology that's out there, more and more companies are under the threat of attack um, or the risk of attack at the moment because they're either not used to working in that environment and therefore the security controls that they need to be put in place has never been more important. And also I think, you know, you've got lots of people at home, uh, university students or some students that are maybe playing about a little bit online and therefore trying to do some things that that we wouldn't have normally seen because they would have either been um, in school or out at work. So definitely, uh, I think there's been, there's been an increase and people need to be vigilant about that. So this is obviously where your team's agility and, and ability comes into its own, isn't it, when you've, you're facing this yeah, definitely, and, and and that's why it's um it's a great it's a great opportunity for anybody wanting to come into the cyber uh, security profession. That if you look at the risk of attack and how the kind of world has has moved to being online now, that that it's really a career where you can be at the forefront of defending uh, your own organisation or organisation that you go and uh, work for against some of these more sophisticated cyber threats that we're facing. Interesting, because in a blog last year, you said there's never been a better time to be a cyber professional. That's even more the case now, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, with, with everybody having to use online um, as, as their way of communicating uh, with their companies and with their colleagues, it, it's 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 most important time. And with demand well above supply, obviously that attracts good salaries. Um, it gives lots and lots of opportunities to people and, and also job security. So definitely a great time and very interesting time to um, look at how, 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 how the world is changing and what we need to do as an organisation to respond to that. You're listening to BT's We Are The Protectors podcast. Get in the know about cybersecurity in this series of interviews with some of BT's senior security team. So let's say there's a girl out there who'd like to become the next Lynn Studd, but isn't sure that this area of security and cyber security is for her. What would you say to her to encourage her? I, I would say for, for me, it's just been such it's such an interesting career. Uh, you, you might not initially think that, but some of the things that you get involved with, you know, is the things that I hadn't even thought about um, that could happen or some of the threats that you could see. And just just investigate the topic, um, go to some of the, you know, there's lots of career fairs where we're trying to attract people, where people will come and speak to you about it. But um, just look into it as, as an option for a career and, and think about how you could progress and, and the opportunities, because I think they'll be vast um, in this area going forward. Now, Lynn, you said you're an inveterate list maker. So I wonder what are the biggest challenges and opportunities left on your list? Um, So I think for me, the biggest challenge is having a team of, of 800 people across the globe different time zones but but keeping them motivated and happy uh 
you have to think about some sometimes we'll we'll get very fixated on a group of people and because they're so brilliant we just want to keep them on one project for one customer but you really have to think actually no they want career development they want to do other things um and, and that's that balance of kind of making sure that that your team are really happy in what they're doing and balancing that with what the customer needs and and, and I guess what I need to, to deliver the targets that we have. It sounds to me like you're very much a people person, both in, in, in the way you handle your team and dealing with, with customers. Is, is that the most satisfying part of your role, would you say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my, my team often you know there's days where nearly every day they surprise me whether it's some creative idea they've got they're always problem solving coming up with solutions and bringing things to me that, that I wouldn't have even thought of and um, it's, it's just great that especially in times like Covid how actually if there's any good that can come of it bringing the closeness to the team and it's all pulling together as one and, and getting some amazing results. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really great. What keeps you awake at night? My to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I, you know, I, I, th- I think it's mainly that. I know my team are technically brilliant. I, I know we can deliver, um, even, like I say, if, if we come up with problems, I think for, for, for me, it's, it's a never-ending, uh, and that's good, a never-ending list uh, and trying to get through some of these. But I think it's more about that leadership and making time, making sure you've got time to lead a team and I don't get stuck in the detail. Um, and what I do really did uh, like was getting out there and being very visible with my teams. And obviously at the moment that, that that's been taken away, but hopefully when we get back, I'll, I'll be back out there and visible with the teams again. And, and just finally looking back at, we've talked about um, so many people who are obviously both at BT and, and across the world at the moment working from home. I wonder if there are some tips you could give people out there who may be worried and maybe a bit complacent about how they can be secure online in their own homes. I think for me, the biggest thing is making sure you've got a good enough password. Um, We've looked at that recently as a company and we're making sure that everybody's got a password that's not easily identifiable. And that might sound like quite a small thing, but actually just making sure it's long enough, it's got the right um, digits and capital letters and, and all that kind of thing in it just to make it sure that people can't hack it. Not, not writing them down as well as uh, is a big thing. And, and also, also, I think, for, from looking after your children is parental controls. Um, I hear a lot of people say to me they, they don't even know how to, to go about that and look into that. But that's really important. Uh, and I make sure for my children, especially as now they're, they're, they're in their bedrooms, they're trying to work, obviously doing the schooling all day, but I just think it's, it's really good just to keep an eye on what they're trying to, 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 to look at. And so parental controls is really important. Two quite simple things, but really, really important at the moment. You've been listening to We Are The Protectors with me, Andy Johnson. My thanks to Lynn Studd for a fascinating insight into her role. That was the last in this series of podcasts. If you've been inspired to learn more about security roles at BT, check out the careers website at bt.com forward slash security career. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now.